0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Abiding Family Podcast. My name is Ashley Myers, and I am, again, so excited to be with you for this episode. Today, we are talking about leading a child to Christ Um, as we are approaching Easter, Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, all the different plays that can happen, stories at church, this season about Jesus, as it should be about Jesus can sometimes bring up a lot of questions for kids, and that's not a bad thing. We don't want to deter those questions, right? Our goal is for kids to come to know and love Jesus and to have a relationship with him, but a lot of times we are very intimidated by that conversation of a kid becoming a Christian and accepting Jesus as their Savior. My experience as a children's minister um, for over 10 years led to a lot of conversations with kids, and I'm really lucky to get to have had the opportunity to learn from some of the best children's ministers and watch them have conversations and learn. And I'll be honest, I was super intimidated to have those conversations at first with kids. Um, And so I understand when, as parents, you feel like I don't have enough knowledge or How do I answer their different questions? Or how do I really know if it's true? Um, All those things, okay? I've, I've been there, well, maybe not with my own personal kid yet. I've been there and you just don't know. And the number one piece of advice that I was given was trust the Spirit. You are given the Holy Spirit for a reason. That Holy Spirit is given to you for discernment. And this is a prime time to use that discernment and having these conversations with your kid. You know your kid better than anyone else does. Okay, so keep that in mind, having these conversations. Also, keep in mind that you know your kid better than anyone else. That means you know they're dirty, you know their worst parts of them, you see their sin, you see their struggles. Keep in mind though, that their heavenly father forgives them for all those things. And don't let what you see on the day to day stop you from having this conversation because you yourself who have a relationship with Christ are just as dirty and just as sinful as your kids are. And your heavenly father still welcomes you with open arms in the same way that he's holding his arms open to your kids. So keep that disclaimer there. You know your kids best, but also don't let the knowledge of all their nitty gritty get in the way. Also, it is okay to not know the answer. We don't know the answer to everything in scripture. Your kid may come out of left field and ask some question about, well, where do dinosaurs fit in? I know that was a big deal for me as a kid. And there are some answers to that that we can talk about in another episode. They may want to know, well, where is the Garden of Eden now? Well, we don't really know. They may want to know some random question that you don't know the answer to. And it's okay to tell your kid that you don't know. And it's also okay for there to not be an answer. Part of our relationship with God is trusting and having faith, even when we don't know the answer. So use that as a teaching opportunity about faith. Also, this conversation is not typically one conversation. It's usually a lot of conversations. Kids go through a journey and a process, and even us as adults, it's not limited to kids. We go through a process of, of discovering and discerning and deciding before we get to that point of actually choosing Jesus as our Savior. It's over time. And, you know a question may come randomly in the shower or as you're dropping them off at school or in the middle of the grocery store. it may just be little nuggets here and there. So keep that in mind. And it's okay for this conversation to be spread out and it's okay to have some really intense conversations and it still not be the right time. And it's okay for it to be the right time and still have multiple conversations about it. Okay. So, Keep that in mind. And last little disclaimer before we really get into this. Scripture tells us that the devil wants to kill, steal, and destroy. The last thing he wants is for your child to accept Jesus as their Savior. So don't be surprised if this happens when a lot of other distractions and things are going on in your life. One of... Um, The most gifted Sunday school teachers, kids, Sunday school teachers I got to work with um, was at my home church. And I remember her telling um, the comment. She said, I always know a kid's about to accept Jesus as their savior when someone else in the class is just causing all sorts of disruption. And usually it's really odd for this child to cause disruption. Um, Usually they're a pretty good student. She said, but I can always tell that the enemy is working, trying to distract and to stop. And sure enough, it never fails. Within a week or two or a month later, a child will then accept Jesus as their Savior. So don't be surprised if these conversations happen at the absolute most inconvenient time. I encourage you, though, do whatever you can to stop and give them conversation. Don't give the enemy foothold. Okay? And don't let your personal fears be used by the enemy either. So. Let's first talk about some responsible evangelism with kids. This is a topic that is really, really important to me. I have talked to so many kids. I have, even in my peers, talked to those who were not led responsibly as kids. Um, And I think as a church, we get really caught up in trying to get numbers Um, that we forget about responsibility when it comes to evangelism with kids in particular. I do believe that we handle evangelism with kids different than we handle with adults. Sometimes there's similarities, but I think that some ways that we present the gospel and choices with adults should not be used with kids. Kids are innocent. They are easily manipulated. They can be scared easily And we should not use those things about them and their age against them just to get them into a, what we think is a relationship with Jesus or a number added to a page. So it all starts with prayer and dependence on the spirit. If you're not using those two things and we are not practicing responsible evangelism. And also I should add some of these things I'm talking about. They do go to us as parents in our homes, but also, if you are a pastor or a church leader, um, or even just a parent, make sure that your church is practicing good, responsible evangelism with your kid. I will tell you right now, I'll be the first to pull my kid from your activity if you are doing irresponsible evangelism. We have got to be responsible with the way that we go about doing this. We should never guilt or use inappropriate tactics to get a child to say something. So, Remember, it's not about checking a box or numbers. We need to be aware of the emotional, mental, and spiritual development of a child. This does not mean that you need a child development degree, okay? Just, again, it's understanding that kids are easily manipulated, that they have a lot of different thoughts and emotions. They are very sensitive to peer pressure and what their peers are doing. They think water is fun, so, of course, a baptism looks great. They see other kids being celebrated for choosing to follow Christ. So of course they want to be celebrated too. keeping those things in mind. Um, Know that they're not going to know all of the facts. That's okay. Even we as adults don't know all the facts or have everything straight. Okay. Their relationship will continue to grow just as ours does. We never want to rush, push, incentivize, peer pressure, a child, no scare tactics saying, well, if you don't choose Jesus, then you're going to go to hell. Well, of course a kid is going to say, yeah, I want Jesus. Even if they don't understand or believe anything else, they don't want to go to hell. Or doing an open altar call. They're going to see other kids and peer pressure, just this all come forward altar call. Well, yeah, their peers are doing it, so they're going to do it too. I've been to so many camps where they sit here and say, we had 50, 60 kids come forward well, all they did was come forward. That's it. We don't know anything else past that. It should be done on an individual basis as best possible, working with each child individually. Whenever I present gospel um, to kids, I always do it at all events, any BBS we would have, camp, any sort of thing like that. My way for response, and there's a couple different ways you can go about doing this, but my preferred way was to have kids close their eyes or put their head down on the table. And then if you want to ask Jesus to be your savior, raise your hand. And then we'd come have an adult tap them and take them out and go work with them one-on-one. And then if you learn something or you have questions, you want to talk to someone about raise your hand. Then we'd take those kids. And then we'd also have the, is God working on your heart right now? Or have you learned something? you know? And so then we give opportunities because they're all in different steps and phases, but doing it where it's very open like that is typically not good with kids. Watch the language that you use. Remember you're talking to kids. So using words like, what is your theology? They don't understand that. I mean, come on. Most adults don't even know what that means. Okay. Um, You know, using things in different words and, that we as churchy, we churchify. Kids won't necessarily understand, especially if they're an unchurched child. Make sure to walk through the differences of becoming a Christian in baptism and church membership. Depending on your church denomination, that can look differently. I come from the Baptist um, denomination, and that's, you know, what I practice. And so it wouldn't be uncommon for me to find a kid who was more concerned with getting into the water and being baptized than they were with actually becoming a Christian. And so kind of discerning those different things. So a lot of times when I was talking with kids, I wouldn't even talk about baptism till we had established the becoming of a Christian. And then establishing that baptism in water doesn't save you. That It's just local bathtub water. There is nothing special about it. It is just a symbol. And We talk about what symbols are. We talk about how, you know, we don't have to be baptized, but we do it because it was commanded to us by Jesus. But it doesn't mean that's not what saves us. Um, Let's see. We also, um, like I said, individual counseling as best as possible. And if you are a church leader or a pastor, involve parents as much as possible or kind of whoever the spiritual leader is in their home. That's really important. So now let's kind of shift into a little bit more about the conversation. If we're the ones having this conversation with kids, um, parents, grandparents, whether whomever you are, um, whatever kind of kid influence you are, think about your relationship with Christ and your experience of accepting Jesus as your savior. How old were you? What do you remember from it? How, how do you feel about it? And how has your relationship with Jesus changed since? I think it's really important for us, when we're leading someone else through this, to kind of step back in our own humility, remember where we were, remember the things that we felt, those different experiences, and what influenced us in that time. That helps us as we walk through and have these conversations with kids or even adults. So then there's the question, well, Can kids even accept Jesus as their savior? Do they understand? Well, I want to point out Matthew chapter 18, where Jesus is blatantly clear about letting the kids come to him. And Jesus is very clear that kids can choose to follow him. Okay. And there is no magic age. Every kid will do this um, at their own time in their own emotional spiritual, um, mental development. Okay. There are some people and there is some literature that likes to put age, ages on things. In my experience, I have found that those don't necessarily line up and trying to limit someone to a particular age sends a wrong message to the child. If we say, no, you're not old enough. Um, that's, contradicting to what Jesus tells us in Matthew 18 but also we do should keep in mind in discernment of development what they can and can't you know understand yet so I say all that to say it's very fluid it's very liquid okay we have some kids who are very mature and who get things really early I have some very close family friend of ours who their kids accepted Jesus at ages four and five. And those kids, they've just always been very mature, very understanding of things in life. They're wise beyond their years. It's just that's a trait of the family. (laughs) It works for them and it was good and it was genuine. And I've seen those kids are now grown, they're in college or graduated from college. And I've watched their faith for many years and it's solid, and it was there, and the parents, you know, leaned into their own personal discernment and that, and talking with their pastor and different things like that, and it was good. Some kids, though, they're not ready, um, and they're not ready till older ages. And some kids will grow up in their in the church their whole life, and they won't make a decision until they're in middle school or high school. They just they need time, and that's okay. Um, so every kid is going to be very different. Um, in that. Um, And so we have our part to play in providing information and helping to disciple and helping to get them there, but it's a journey and it takes a lot of different time and discovery and processing for each individual kid. So there's about four different kind of stages and I've kind of briefly touched on them a little bit. So we have first the discovery stage. And this is typically where a kid is asking a lot of questions. They're curious. They're inquisitive. They are, you know, quote, downloading information. Um, and then we have kind of the next step where they're discerning. They're beginning to be more concerned about spiritual things. Um, they're beginning to ask questions about death and heaven and hell. They begin to realize that their sin is actually against God. This is just kind of Things are starting to kind of click. There's some more emotional impact with this. Uh, We start to see a lot of this, especially this time of year. Um, If you go to like a passion play or something and kids actually get to kind of see an enactment of um, Jesus's death and resurrection, that can be very emotionally provoking. They're typically designed to be that way. Um, And so you might see a kid who's very much in this discerning age become very emotional learning those different things. You know, remember, your kid's a whole year older this year than they were last year. And so the Easter story and Jesus's death and resurrection is going to affect them very differently this year than it did last year. And that's okay. Um, and then we step into the deciding age and this is where they start to become convicted of their sinfulness and their need for a savior. This is where they start to understand and are willing to make God Lord or boss of their life. And then this is also where we kind of get to the point where we realize it's time to make a decision. Are they going to choose Jesus or not? And then once they make that choice, we get into the disciple stage and this is the ongoing Um, And continuing to build on their foundation. Um, And this comes, you know, the old saying, with every blessing comes great responsibility. The point of the making a decision is not the finish line for us. It's in a lot of ways, just the starting point. You know, for all of us, our relationship with Jesus grows and it ebbs and flows over time. And this is that starting point of discipleship with our kids here at this point. So those are kind of the different stages that you're going to kind of see, you know, a kid go through. And we very much start in the preschool age. We talk about Jesus as our friend. And then as we move into the kind of the elementary age, Jesus is our savior. Um, I would say a lot, it wasn't uncommon for me to have the conversation and to baptize kids that were in, you know, second, third, fourth, fifth grade, sixth grade. Um, you know, I, I, there were some kids as young as kindergarten first. It was much more rare. Um and in my events that I would do geared towards kindergarten first and second grade. I was much different in the way that we presented the gospel. We shared the gospel and we talked about it, but we didn't necessarily do an open, you know, um call, you know, um uh, we left it more kind of open-ended. Um you know, keep in mind of the age and the audience. So those are kind of the different stages. So We're leading a child to Christ and we're at this point where we feel like, okay, our kid is in the deciding stage. This is where we think we are. And so we need to have this conversation. So whether you're a pastor or a church leader, um, parent, whatever kind of kid influencer you are, this applies to you. Okay. And here are the things that for me, as I have over the years and the many conversations I've had with kids these are kind of the things that I start that I look for in a conversation when I, that I'm having with kids. There's some things I'm looking for them to understand, um, for me to kind of feel comfortable in moving forward with leading them in the prayer of salvation. I'm looking for them to have a basic understanding of the gospel. Now, this doesn't have to be perfect, okay? And I will walk through them. We'll get to that here in just a minute. We'll walk with them through kind of the message of the gospel, but. To have a basic understanding that things were perfect in the beginning, we sinned and messed things up that, you know, we tried, the people tried over and over to rebuild that relationship with God, but nothing was good enough. So God sent Jesus who was sinless. I try to use the word sinless instead of perfect um, because we're talking a lot about sin, um, and sometimes has this connotation of just happy and things are good all the time. Um, and we see in scripture that Jesus was sad and he wept and he overturned tables. And while yes, he was perfect to a kid in their mind, perfect doesn't always equate, you know, those other emotions and things. So I try to use the word sinless. So understanding that Jesus came and Jesus was sinless and then Jesus died on the cross for our sins and he rose again 3 days later conquering death. Jesus went back to heaven sent us the holy spirit. This is where we are and then Jesus is coming back again in the future. Now that's a very rough they don't necessarily have to have all those but we want to have the the basic understanding of that and they need to have an understanding of why they need a savior. If they can't tell you you know about that, So that kind of moves into our next point of understanding sin and their why they need a savior. This is the big one. Um, if, if there's a lack of understanding of what sin is, this is a caution flag for me. Um, and I use the word caution as, you know, use your discernment and where you go from there. Um, so then you understand what sin is. Sin is anything that we think, do, or say that displeases God. They need to have an understanding that they are a sinner. I typically ask kids to tell me, what's a sin that you've done? I mean, ask them to confess. If they can't, you know, confess and name some sins that they've done, I'm not asking for their deepest, darkest sin. Okay, but maybe it was that they lied to their parents, or they cheated at school, or they hit someone, um, or they didn't listen to their teacher. There's a lot of different examples and things that they can do. Understanding that Jesus died for them, and that grace is free, and we can't earn it. So we want to make sure that they have an understanding that there's nothing that they can do. They can't be good enough. They can't go to church enough or whatever to earn it. It's a free gift that they have to accept. So those the two big things are an understanding of the gospel and understanding of sin. Those are the things that I want to make sure are really solid. The other thing is I'm asking questions, and we I, we kind of start this conversation. Is you want to keep in mind to use open ended questions. If you are using guided questions that very clearly lead to an answer it's going to be hard to understand what they understand and what they're just discerning from your question. Kids are really smart. They can be led by questions very easily. Make sure we're not forcing anything. So as much open questions, open-ended questions that we can use, the better. So I typically start off a conversation with, Hey, so what do you think about Jesus? I let them tell me. And then, you know, well, why do you want to become a Christian? You know, we just leave it open and it's okay for there to be silence. It's okay to give them time to think. It's okay for them to process why some things right here that they may answer that are caution flags to me. And I say caution because they don't mean that they're not ready. Just maybe some categories you need to dive deeper into Um, Some caution flags are, you know, they just want to be baptized. They saw so-and-so get baptized, so they want to do it too. Um, Maybe they saw that someone else got baptized or accepted Jesus and how celebrated they were, and it should be a celebration. And they too want that celebration. Um, Or the, oh, I don't want to go to hell. And while... That can be a valid reason. We also want to make sure, again, that they have an understanding that Jesus is their Savior and that Jesus died for their sins. Okay. So then another question I'll go into is, well, what makes you a Christian? Okay. Well, a Christian is accepting Jesus as our Savior and that he died for our sins and that without him as my savior, my sins separate me from God in eternity with him. So then I'll ask, well, can you earn it? And then it will know, well, what do you mean? No. Can I go to church? Doesn't that get me into, into heaven or relationship with God? Oh, well, okay. I don't have to go to church, but what about if I read my Bible enough? Well, that doesn't do it either. Okay, so you kind of play a little bit, you know, against them. Kind of push against the grain a little bit. And then, you know, well, does your relationship with God ever end once you accept him as your Savior? And that's no. I typically like to use analogy of a game with them, but I tell them that this is a special game. This is a game that you never get out of. Okay, you can never get out of your game. Um, when you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you enter into a game that doesn't end, but you're always moving levels. You're going up or you're going down. You're never stagnant. So you're either going up and and growing closer with God, or you're moving down and you're moving, you know, maybe farther away from him when we have really tough times or, you know, we don't talk to him as much or different things like that, that throughout our life, we're going to go up and down in levels, but we're always going to be in this game. And there's nothing that we can ever do that will ever get us out of the game. God's love for us will always keep us in the game. But where we are may fluctuate within that game. And then usually about this point, after we've kind of talked about that, we go through and we talk about the gospel. And this is where you want to let them lead as much as possible. And I typically do a visual gospel at this point, and um, I will post it. Um, on social media, and I'll try to also put it on the webpage where this podcast is listed. Um, I, there is no perfect visual model for the gospel. Okay. So let me put that disclaimer out there. However, I do believe with kids, visuals are helpful. They're helpful for many adults even. And I do like to do the one where, you know, there's separation and what looks like a valley and the cross kind of fills it in between. I think it does a good job at explaining the separation and kids understand that if there's two separate cliffs, you can't just get to the other one without something being there in the middle um, and something being there. And, and that ends up being the cross that crushes the sin. Um, and it's only through the cross that we can get to be with God. And it's through Jesus but we're not forced to cross that bridge of the cross. We can choose to stay on our side or we can choose to go across it. So again, I will post that visual, um, for you to have. Um, and if you have another visual, feel free to use it again. We're just trying to walk them through the gospel and again, help try to let them lead as much as possible, but also it's okay if they don't get everything right. Okay. Just because they don't have every little detail doesn't mean that they're ready. They don't understand the big concept and that they don't understand that they are a sinner. Okay. At the end of the day, we need them to understand that they're a sinner and they're in need of a savior. Okay. So, um, once we get to this point and they, you know, I kind of get to the end and I say, now at this point, this is where you choose. You choose, do you want to accept Jesus as your savior? And then I like to talk about, you know, at Christmas or our birthdays, we're given gifts, right? And so at Christmas, when we think about our gifts, they're, you know, under the tree, you know, and they're not ours. Just because they're under the tree doesn't make them ours, right? What makes the gift ours? When we take it, right? So at this point, typically, I'll find something, you know, I always kept little rubber ducks in my office or something, you know. Um, But you can use a pen, you can use whatever, it doesn't matter, tissue, whatever you have laying around, take something and put it in your hands and make them actually take it out of your hands. There's something about that visual exercise and that physical kinesthetic exercise of them actually doing it. And so we talk about a gift is something you don't have to pay for, you just have to accept it, right? Well, it's the same thing about salvation from Jesus, we just have to accept it, we have to take it and make it ours. And so then, you know, we talk about, okay, so we accept it, and we put our faith in God. Well, what is faith? And this can be a hard concept for even us as adults to understand. And so typically, you know, it's not uncommon for them to be sitting on a chair. And if they're not, tell them to go sit in a chair. They're going to get up, they're going to go sit in it. And then you're going to say, did you inspect that chair before you sat down in it? And they're going to look at you like you're crazy. And They're going to say no. And I typically say, you you didn't check all the screws and bolts to make sure that they were good and tight, that the chair wasn't going to collapse on you or anything like that. You didn't test it first. You're going to say no. I'm going to say, okay, you had faith in the chair to hold you up, right? Or maybe you were even scared to sit on it, but you still did it, right? And so that is kind of the idea of faith. And so they, okay, so we have faith in God. So there may be times when we're scared or we don't understand how something's going to work. We don't, we're not sure that chair looks really old. It looks like it might break, but we're going to sit in it anyway. And we're just going to trust, right? We're going to have faith. It's kind of the similar, you know, idea. Again, nothing is a perfect example, but these are some ways to help us put some concrete to concepts. And then we get to the point of, okay, we've accepted the gift. We're putting our faith and we need to let God be the boss or the ruler of our life. And this is typically a really special moment where what I'll do is I will say, you know, we're going to think of this chair that you're in as your life, right? And right now you are ruler of your life. And so I'll place an invisible crown on their head and I'll go whoosh and put an invisible cloak on their back, draped down. I'll give them a scepter to hold. Okay. We'll make them very queen or king of their life. Make it very royal. And we talk about, you know, when you are king or queen of your life, You lead all the decisions, right? But when we accept Jesus as our savior, and we enter into this relationship with God, we're going to let God be the ruler of our life. So that means we have to get out of the chair. And then I make the kids get up, step aside. I say, we're going to hand over our scepter. We set it in the chair. We take off our crown. We set it in the chair, we take off our robe, we set it in the chair, and we make Jesus rule of our life. And we let him lead our life. We let him make our decisions. We let him guide us as we live life. And we worship him. And at this point, usually together with the kids, we kneel down in front of that chair. it's usually a really special moment of visualizing what it means to make Jesus our Savior. And this might be a good point where we need to stop and pause and let them ponder on those things. But it also might be a good point to continue on into them accepting Jesus as their Savior. So what does that look like? We admit that we're a sinner. We've already talked about that. This is the ABCs of accepting Jesus as your savior life weighs big on this one admit that you're a sinner believe that Jesus that Christ died and then typically C stands for confess um, and there's scripture that goes along with all these I like to use the word choose Um, we admit that we're a sinner we believe that Christ died for us and we choose to follow him and then we tell others about him And this is when I get to a point where we remember that, you know, they don't know everything. Whatever age they're at, they don't know everything. So this is where I like to ask a kid, with everything you know in your, and I put whatever age they are. So we're just going to go with seven years old. With everything that you know in your seven-year-old head, in your seven-year-old heart, do you believe that Jesus is your savior? And they'll say yes or no, wherever they are. And I'll say, with everything that you know in your seven-year-old head and you believe in your seven-year-old heart, do you believe that you are a sinner? And then I'll ask them the same phrase, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And then I'll finally say, with everything that you know in your seven-year-old head and your seven-year-old heart, do you believe that Jesus is your Savior and do you want to ask him into your heart, into a relationship with you? And this is where we go into, you know, a sinner's prayer, which is very simple. It's, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I believe that I am a sinner, that I have sinned against you, and that the only way into an eternal relationship with you is to accept you as my Savior. Lord, please forgive me of my sins. I want to have a relationship with you forever. Amen. Some version of that. The point is that they are asking Jesus for forgiveness and to be their savior. Whatever else goes in that is up to them or you. And as you guide them and lead them through that. So that's just kind of the general overview so you say, okay, great. Now I have the seven-year-old or five-year-old or six-year-old. Are they going to remember? How do I prevent them from doubting? And this part is important to me because I made a decision to follow Christ really young. Um, and I really don't remember much about it. Um, I trust my parents in that they led me through that. And I trust my children's minister of the time. Um, you know, and I truly believe that I, always believed in a relationship with Jesus. Um, but I had several moments of kind of recommitment and, um, you know, later on, because I just didn't remember, I didn't remember anything that happened. And so I doubted if it was true. Um, and so there are things that I, you know, looking back, I wish I'd had, um, you know, but so here we are, here's some things that you can do though, to help your child going forward, because there will be times that they will doubt things will happen. They'll go to church camp. They'll go on a mission trip. Something will happen and they will there's a good chance that they will doubt. So don't give them any room to doubt. Help set them up for success to remember this time. So what I would always task all of our kids and families with doing is to go home and write, you know, either get them a, a new Bible or find a special Bible or you know, find a special piece of paper and write down everything about this event. What led to this? I tell the kids to write down everything that they think, everything they feel, how they feel with this happening, um, you know, who all was involved, the different conversations they had, anything that they can write down. Think of your who, what, when, where feelings, those types of things. And then have everyone involved sign, date it, take a picture. Okay. We're putting all things down concrete, put it on paper. Okay. Okay. Even today, we have technology. Take a video of them. Ask them these questions. Do you believe that Jesus is your savior? Ask them with everything that you know in your seven-year-old head and your seven-year-old heart, you know, and then remind them, you know, Jesus said, come to me, those who are young, Matthew 18. Okay. It's about those things. Take pictures. Okay. Make copies, you know, of the things that you write down, you know, parents store them away someplace special. So if they lose them, they lose that Bible, whatever you still have that. Okay. Remind them when their you know, decision, when their anniversary comes around each year, revisit that, talk about that decision that they made when it was, um, you know, have a mini celebration with it. Um, doesn't have to go all out or anything like that, but bring it up, have it in conversation. And then remember that the next step is discipleship, that this is really just the beginning. Okay. Um, I caution you, don't use their decision as a discipline tool. Um, Don't say, well, you're a Christian now, you should know better, okay? Because let's be honest, us as adults, we are Christians and we know better, and yet we still make bad choices all the time. So don't guilt your child or use this as a discipline tool against them. You can use it as a discipleship tool, and as maybe you're reviewing a bad choice later on, you know, You lied to mom and dad. That's not okay. We're not supposed to lie. You know, that's not okay. Is that something that Jesus would want us to do? No. And so you talk about, you know, mommy and daddy forgive you. Jesus forgives you. You know, but in the future, we don't want to do that again. Okay. So talk about it, but don't use it as a threatening or discipline tool. Use it as a part of discipleship. Okay. And also just remember, take their behavior with a grain of salt. Remember they are still a kid. And while they, yes, are in this relationship with Jesus and that yes, a lot of times you can see with kids a change in things. Um, you know, hopefully they are starting to, you know, study scripture more or be more intentional, but especially with kids that have grown up in the church, a lot of these things were kind of already there. So you may not see a drastic change in their behavior, it just clicked and it's still going to take time over and over in the journey to kind of guide that behavior and guide it into a Christ-like manner. So that was a lot, I know, and I'm sorry that, um, you know, for the length of the episode, um, but I do believe that it's, this is a really important topic. Um, it's can be an intimidating topic for parents and church leaders. Um, and far too often, I think, kids are either used to boost numbers or they're brushed aside as, well, they just can't get it. And neither one of those are good approaches. Um, And so I just encourage you to dive in, to have the conversation and to trust the spirit. Ultimately, that is your, that is your guide. Trust the spirit um, in these conversations that you have. And I pray that they are full of, just blessing because there really is nothing sweeter than being with someone when they make that choice, um, and getting to walk alongside someone in that choice. Um, and it's so special for parents to be a part of. Um, and while it can be intimidating, um, just go with it, trust the spirit, go with it. You're going to mess up. You're going to say something that you think is wrong, but it's not, it's all perfect. Um, and it'll be a part of their story. Um, and that's cool that you get to be a part of it. You should get to be a part of it. So, um, I am here and I want to be a resource to you. Every family and every situation is different. Or if you're a church leader and you want to talk about this more, I would love to, um, you can reach me through the website, theabidingfamily.org or social media. Um, we can set up a time to have more one-on-one conversation. I would love to help, um, you know, walk you through those different things or if questions come up throughout this Easter season, again, I want to be a resource to you and your family. So thank you guys again for listening to the Abiding Family Podcast. Also, side note, I did just put up some Easter apparel on the website. All proceeds go to help support um, the work and operation of this um, and the things that we're putting together here. So um, order quickly so that way you can get them in time for Easter. Um, Sorry, they're a little late. Probably should put those up a few weeks ago, but they're there now. So thank you all for listening, um, and we'll be together again next week for another episode of The Abiding Family.